Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you. Happy Father's Day weekend, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And we are joined. Manson Mitchell, ably assisted, as always, of a Saturday by Nathan Miller. There at the board, our producer. Nathan, how are you doing, buddy? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And happy smorgasbord weekend of things to celebrate. Father's Day, Juneteenth. We got the solstice, the first day of summer. Are you ready? I'm exhausted already. (laughs) You're right. There is a lot to celebrate this weekend. It's... And the the lightning bolts are playing again tonight. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So much going on. And I don't think Seattle is ready either, especially for summer, because I'm looking outside and people are driving around with their tops up and windshield wipers on and rain is just coming down. Oh, Oh, is it really? I wouldn't mind a little more of that here. In Florida, we have a summer pattern of thunderstorms. So uh, it's great because you don't have to get out in water, but then you don't want to be zapped by a lightning bolt either. The only lightning we want to see on the mark is in Colorado tonight. They're going to have game Playing two of the Stanley Avalanche. Cup final. Yeah. Yes. And this is apropos of nothing. We want to get into our subject matter with the lovely Josie Varga. But believe you me, when Suzanne and I moved to Sarasota, Florida, just about 11 years ago now, and we, the, the lightning sucked. <laughs> they didn't go to the playoffs. They were terrible. We're like, yeah, okay, well, you get to see some NHL hockey if you go see the lightning. Cheap tickets. The, and cheap tickets. The thought that they could be playing potentially for a third straight Stanley Cup championship, that, that would have been the stuff of Twilight Zone fantasy. They're and back-to-back winners, and they're playing here in their third straight appearance. I think something like that should happen someday to the Kraken. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the Mariners and (laughs) lots of Seattle sports teams, except, of course, you know, the Sounders and Seahawks. I mean, Seahawks are in a slump. They're kind of rebuilding right now. But, you know, they're like our only really championship winning teams. And then the Storm and still waiting on those Mariners and Kraken will have their chance too. Yeah, I hope so. I, we, I, I would, we'd like to come to Seattle and go to a Kraken game. I would, actually. That would yeah. be fine. When the Lightning show up. Oh, but we'd be sitting there with our <laughs> divided loyalties. I don't know what we would do about that. That's the kind of problem you want to have, right? So good to be with you again, Nathan. Today we're going to talk about Father's and Father's Day and the divine masculine. We tend to take the metaphysical point of view on this program and it gives us the opportunity around Mother's Day. We talk about the divine feminine, of course. And here we are, the yin and the yang. So now it, it's yang day to talk about fathers and what they represent in the kind of bonding experience, especially if you didn't have a rocky relationship. And I was very, very fortunate to have a healthy relationship with my father. And I want to be sensitive to those who did not, or perhaps their father wasn't around. After a while, it could have been a divorce, fathers leave the family, this sort of thing happens, and then someone has to fill that void. That's the kind of thing we're going to be talking about with Josie Varga, in addition to which, and making specific reference to her wonderful book, she's written several, but this one in particular serves our purpose today called Visits from Heaven. 
it could be fathers, it could be father-in-law, it could be grandfather, the whole idea of that strong, loving male presence with us for a time, and then as nature would have it, no longer. But the bond remains. There's an eternal aspect to it, it seems to me. And we'll find out what Josie has to say about all that, maybe some specific stories. Let me give her her mad props. Please do. We can't always plan what happens in life. And sometimes the unexpected leads us to where we are meant to be. Josie Varga's life was turned upside down when a deceased friend who passed in the World Trade Center attacks on 9-11 came to her with a vivid message for his wife. The incredible experience set her on a journey to investigate the possibility of life after death. What she found is incredible validation that death is but a new beginning and no one really dies alone. A celebrated author, a blogger, and motivational speaker, she has transformed lives and warmed hearts worldwide. Her tireless afterlife research has helped to steer the study of consciousness and the integration of mind, body, and spirit while comforting the bereaved as they realize their loved ones are still very much with them. Passionate about her life's purpose, she is committed to changing lives one story at a time. We are very pleased to have with us today, Josie Varga. Welcome to Manson Mitchell once again, Josie. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm particularly concerned, and let me do this by way of a soft opening for this interview of ours, this conversation, Josie, with the amount of energy you have focused on afterlife communications, afterlife research, which you've written about so articulately, and you're a heck of an editor as well in collecting these stories of people who've had experiences that ordinarily you wouldn't expect to have, but they do. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know. Do you have what might be termed mediumistic experiences, Josie, even though you don't bill yourself as a professional medium? I don't think that's your bailiwick. But I wonder if you have these sorts of experiences that tell you that there is something beyond this life and in an unmistakable way when you're engaging with someone or they with you in a way that can only be described as spiritual or even paranormal. Uh, interesting question, Gary. You know, people ask me all the time, as you know, I had that experience with my husband's friend in 2003. So people ask me all the time, well, you know, did you have experiences like that beforehand? And I, I did. It wasn't anything like what I experienced with uh, the man who died in the World Trade Center attacks. But I can remember in, in high school having experiences. Uh, for one thing, um, my best friend at the time, her father passed away when she was four years old. And I remember he came to me in a vivid dream. Of course, I've never met this man. And it was interesting because when he came to me, he had this white T-shirt on and he had a pack of cigarettes rolled in the sleeve. You know, like, uh, you know, what they would do in the 50s, like a short sleeve shirt and the cigarettes were rolled in his sleeve. And he thanked me. He said, thank you for being there for my daughter. And honestly, guys, I don't remember what my girlfriend Karen was going through at the time, but he thanked me for being there for his daughter. When I asked about that, her mother confirmed that, yes, that is something that he used to do. He used to, you know, put the cigarettes in his sleeve. Now, I never met this man, had no idea that he 
that he did that. Um, so to answer your question, I, I had experiences like that, yes. However, after I had my experience with my husband's friend, uh, it seemed like another world opened up for me. You know, um, I think because I was, interestingly, the more I investigated the afterlife, the more experiences I seemed to have. And I guess maybe because I was open to it, I was in tune to it. I don't know. And to answer your question about mediumistic abilities, I think we all have it. You know, it's a question of who uses it, who doesn't, who is more open, who's not. You know, you have to you have to be open to it. It would be unfair to say that, um, you know, I have abilities, but you don't. Right? Like you and Suzanne can never tap into the other side. That's not true. We all have ability, except some of us are stronger than others. I think that we need to be open to it. And people think they're open to it. I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a friend, Natalie Brakesley Smith, who passed away. And I remember when she passed away, I would feel her presence all the time. And I happened to be on the phone with someone. And she said to me, oh, Natalie is going to make herself known to you. But she said that you are afraid. And I found that so interesting because I would feel her presence and I would say, okay, Natalie, now don't let me see you because I'm going to flip out. <laughs> and that is what she said. You know, she said she uh, was afraid to present herself to me. So sometimes people think they are open, but they are actually afraid and, our, and their loved ones don't want to come through. So you have to be open to it. And what I always say is, ask. I have something that I call the AMB method, and it's basically ask, meditate, and believe. Um, You brought up a question for me, and I wanted to say, yes, I agree about being open, also aware, open and aware together, because uh, it reminds me always of being completely unaware of any for sale signs, any open house signs until those very few times when I was, um, we were selling our house. And as soon as I put out a for sale sign on the house, then I saw all these other for sale signs everywhere. Right. right. So I became aware, oh my gosh, there's for sale signs everywhere. That house is for sale and this house is for sale. So I think it's, it's an opening of your awareness as to your connection with the other side. The question that I wanted to ask you, though, in your opening, when I mentioned that you there, you got a message from a deceased friend who passed away, I'm wondering if your messages come to you when you are awake or when they more often come to you in your sleep? Uh, both. Uh, as I know, I've mentioned many times on your show, I'm hearing impaired, but yet I'm clairaudient, okay? And what that means is I'm able to hear spirit. So many times, like as in the case with my husband's friend, it happened during the dream state, which, by the way, is the most common. It's easier for them to communicate with us when we are in the dream state, when we are in that twilight stage, okay? Um, but I, I've had both. I've, I've had many messages where I've heard deceased loved ones in my mind, 
that gave me, you know, validated information. Uh, but I, I have to say that the dreams were more prevalent, you know, more common. Well, it, it, that is a, a time when we're not in our, our everyday conscious state, when we are relaxed, our bodies are, you know, obviously very relaxed in the sleep state. And, and so it makes sense to me that people would more often get messages in the dream state. And then the problem becomes, Josie, that people don't remember their dreams when they wake up. People and, and- say that, Suzanne, but, you know, honestly, there's a difference between a regular dream and a visit from heaven. Yes. If yes. you have a visit from heaven, trust me, trust me, you are going to remember it. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember my vivid dreams where I've had visitations from my mom in, in dream state. Yeah. And you mentioned before how it's important to be open. A hundred percent agree, but it's also important to trust. That's very important too. We need to trust the synchronicities that reveal themselves around us. And trust is very difficult, especially during the grieving process. You know, I, as you know, I just lost my dad. Uh, my dad died in uh, February. And I got a, a message from a woman, a private message. And she said, oh, oh, well, you know, now that your father died, do you still believe? And I don't know what she meant by that. Uh, but in answer to that, yes, yes, and yes. And um, let me give you a quick example. Um, now that I am grieving the death of my father, I understand how hard it is to recognize signs while you're grieving. Okay, you don't realize it. But when my father died, we went to pick out, uh, we went to the cemetery, and he's uh, in the mausoleum, okay? So we walk in, and it's a new place. Interestingly, there's uh, a cemetery where my entire family is buried. And when we went there, we were told that there was nothing available. And my mother was really upset, really upset. And she didn't want him to be in the ground, wanted him to be in the mausoleum. So we went to another place, okay? We walk in, and the guy is showing us around at whatever was available. And all of a sudden, I saw this dream that my father, my father once told me he had a dream, but he was walking in front of a church, okay? And all of a sudden, he sees a statue of the Blessed Mother. He looks up at the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother suddenly turns into his own mother. And he looks up at the statue and she says how proud she is of him, how she's watching over him. And he cried and cried about that dream. So I remembered that dream. And I said to the guy, by the way, do you have anything that depicts the Blessed Mother? Because they have like sections with like stained glass, you know? And he said, yeah, yeah, over here. So we walk over. And my mother said to him, I don't want anything too high. I want to be able to touch my husband. So the guy looked at me and said, okay, I'm going to go see what we have. So I'm feeling tired. And I see a bench. And I go sit at this specific bench. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up to me and looks at me funny. And he goes, um, it's number 18. And I looked at him and I'm like, yeah. He goes, no, you're sitting right in front of number 18. That's the one that we have available right there in front of you. So I didn't, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> so we pay for it. We leave. 
we go to the funeral home. The funeral home says, okay, well, the funeral is going to be on February 18th. And I'm thinking, 18, 18, okay, whatever. Two days later, I go to the church, and I had to pick out the readings for the mass, right? I get home with copies of the paperwork. I look down, and I see page 18. So, oh, so, no. so, so now I'm thinking, wait a second here. 18, 18, 18. A couple of weeks ago, we went out to dinner with my daughter. And we went to go park in the public lot, okay? So I didn't know this, but my husband was talking to my father in his head, and he asked my father for a sign. So we pull into the spot. We get out of the car. I look down, and I see 18. So I looked at my husband. I go, oh, my God, look, 18. And he went, (gasps) he said, oh, my God, I was just talking to your father in my head, and I told him to give me a sign. So at this point, I'm like, Okay, something like my father's birthday is not the 18th. I, I, but I knew there had to be significance to 18. So let me give you some backstory. My father was the most positive man you ever want to meet. Okay, he actually he suffered from glaucoma. He went blind before he died. But despite it all. And he would always, he would say things like, be happy. And you would call him up and he would say, happy Sunday morning, you know. Or he would say, alegria, alegria, which means joy and contentment in Italian, right? He was a very positive man. So anyway, and, and also he would say things like, look alive, okay. So I look up the number 18. And what do you think it means? It's a reminder from the angels to focus on the positive. It's a reminder mm. from the angels to be happy. That, just telling you that story now, I have chills running through me. Because if you met my father, you would understand the significance of that. Okay, that is so him. <laughs> and I, and, but when I, when, you know, when he first said to me, oh, you're sitting in front of 18. I didn't understand what that was all about. I, I honestly looked at him like, yeah, so, so, you know, it's just a coincidence. I'm sitting in front of 18, you know, but then after that, 18, 18, 18, 18. And then to later find out it's a reminder to focus on the positive. That is so my father. I love that story, Josie. I absolutely love it. And I love all the pieces and parts, all the different 18s that add up. You, you, when you started out, you said that, you know, sometimes you have to be paying attention because right. you can miss the signs. And I, I started giggling because my brother had an unmistakable sign from my dad. My brother was in charge of my dad's estate. And he, after my dad passed, my brother was at my dad's house cleaning out all kinds of stuff. My, my dad had things in the underground uh, storage, in the overhead storage, over the garage, everywhere. And he was there every day, plus paperwork that went back decades. And he was sitting at the desk late, late, late one evening, about 11 o'clock at night, sitting at my dad's desk doing paperwork. And his phone rang. And when he took out his cell phone, the caller said, dad, that oh, is wow. pretty unmistakable. Right. Yes. 
And who was the caller? Was it just he picked up that the went- phone? But there, when he answered the phone, there was no sound. There was no voice. It was just static. Oh wow! But, but the call said it was from Dad, so it was my dad's cell phone that was calling my brother's cell phone. And and I said some signs are just unmistakable, and that, and that was yeah. That was and, and there are people who actually pick up the phone and actually yes. hear hear the voice. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, it's 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 absolutely amazing. And speaking of that, I'm not going to tell you the backstory of this because it's personal. But I was very upset with someone, and after my father uh, passed away, I had a I, you know, talked about the twilight stage. I wasn't fully asleep, but I wasn't awake either. And all of a sudden, it was like I felt my father screaming in my head. He said, forgive her, forgive her. It was so loud that I literally jolted up and I said, okay, dad, okay, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, dad, I I hear you. I forgive her. And, um, you know, I mean, there's been a a lot of things that have happened. It's very common, by the way, for children to see spirit. And um, my little, my uh, niece's daughter, Tegan, uh, came in the house and she told my brother that she saw my father. And my brother said to her, what happened? Remember before I said that my father was a very positive person. Well, one of the things that he used to do, her name is Tegan. He would say, Tegan here, Tegan there, Tegan everywhere. You know, he would sing that. Okay. So she comes in and they said to her, "Uh, what happened? And she said, we called him Nono. That's grandpa in Italian. So she said, "Uh, Nono said, Tegan here, Tegan there, Tegan everywhere. Now, she was three, she just turned four. And uh, that, that was pretty amazing that she, you so know. She was, heard him then. She, she heard was, him, not only heard him, she saw him. Oh, my gosh. How wonderful. Yeah. Oh, and here's an even better one. So two weeks before my father died, my niece comes over. And my niece had just found out that she was pregnant. And it was early on. So she didn't want to, you know. She normally wouldn't have said anything at that point. But because my father was on his deathbed, she wanted my father to be the first to know. So she goes over to my father and she says, Grandpa, I just want you to know I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. Well, my father, as I said, was blind, suffering from glaucoma. All of a sudden he says, oh, I knew you looked different when I saw you two weeks ago. And everybody in the room like looked at each other like, what do you mean? She looked different when you saw her two weeks ago. You're blind, you know? And then after that, he said, oh, and it's a boy. Now, you have to understand, I have two girls. My brother has three girls. My niece has three girls. So it was all girls in this family, no boys, right? So when he said that, we were thinking, oh, well, yeah, he's just wishing for a boy. So my my niece said to him, well, Grandpa, we'll see. And he said, no, 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 no. It's a boy. Well, my niece had her reveal party on May 14th, and yes, it's a boy, the first boy in the family. Wow. Yeah, it, it's really, uh, but I told my niece, I said, it's not so much that he said it's a boy. It's what he said before that. I knew you looked different when I saw you two weeks ago. How did you see her when you're blind? Now, what I, did he say? I didn't ask him, and I regret, Gary, that I didn't ask him. <laughs> 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 and, I, you know, I should have said, what do you mean, Dad? 
you know, I guess I didn't want to intervene on that moment, but I wish I would have said, well, dad, what do you mean? You can't see. What do you mean? How did you see her two weeks ago? And, and my father actually moved in with us. Okay. When we found out that there was no hope and they had given him a month to three months to live. And my parents moved in with me. Okay. That night I had a vivid dream of my uncle Tony. My uncle Tony was in front. My aunt Mary, who died in, uh, let's see, October, was behind him. And his other sister, who died in March. So they all died within 11 months of each other. My, mm. my okay. Wow. So it was my uncle, my two aunts, my, and my uncle Angelo uh, was the last one. My uncle Tony looked at me and telepathically he said, don't worry. I'm the one who's going to come for him. Okay, don't worry. Mm. I'm the one who's going to come for him. Wow. That was the night that he moved in. Well, two weeks before he died, my father starts saying, uh, is Uncle Tony dead? And we would say, uh, yes, why? He would say, well, then why do I see him every night? Why do I see him every night? And he started having conversations with my uncle. So that was very validating for me. My uncle let me know that he was the one that was going to be there for my father. And he yeah. certainly was. And then my father would literally put up his hand and say, wait. And because of the research that I've done, I knew about all of this. I wrote about this in A Call from Heaven. So I once sat down with him and I told him to tell me what was going on. He said that my uncle Tony was there and there were other people there that he did not know. And he, he was telling them to wait because he didn't want to go yet. You know, he, he was holding back because he was worried about my mother. And when I, after I promised him that I would take care of my mother, you know, I think he was, uh, he let himself go at that point. But it, it was truly remarkable. It's one thing to write about these experiences, but it's quite another to experience it. To have the experiences, yeah, yes. Yeah, to have the experiences. And well, I, you, I knew enough to sit down and ask my father to explain himself. Although, although Gary, I wish I would have asked him, what do you mean you saw her two weeks ago? <laughs> I didn't ask him about that. You've been writing about this stuff for a long time, Josie. And I can't say that it prepared you because, as you said, big difference between reading and writing about it and experiencing it. But you sure had a big background behind you in all of the stories that you've collected for years, hundreds of stories. Yeah, it's over. It's, it's close to 20 years now. Yeah. You know that uh, I've been collecting these stories and it's it's like the, I don't know. It just never ceases to amaze me. It's uh, quite, quite remarkable. I mean, yesterday, I have a group on Facebook called Visits from Heaven. And so I'm always looking for stories to uh, share with the members. And I came across the story yesterday. It, um, there's a website, I think it was called The Every Mom or something like that. And it was a story. Actually, I, I have it here. Let me, let me read it to you. It's, it's called The Visit from Grandpa. And she writes, my husband's father passed away several years ago before my son was born. He died from the flu. And my husband had always felt guilty because he had been the one to share the sickness with him. We never talked to our son about his grandpa. But one morning he woke up and said, point blank, daddy, 
Papa Don wanted me to tell you he's doing fine. We asked him to describe his grandfather, and he did so to a T, despite never having seen a photo of him. He said he was standing by a fast car with a cloud of smoke around him. This made perfect sense because my father-in-law raced sports cars and smoked heavily all his life. And this is a young, a young kid who shared yeah. that story. Ah, great story. Great story. It's interesting because the, the lens of a child will allow 70% more ultraviolet light, more ultraviolet rays to enter the retina than an adult. So you have to wonder, you know, it, because as we age, we don't see spirit as much. You know, kids see it far more often than adults. I would like to get into that with you, Josie. Let's delve into that a bit further on the other side of the break, because there are these extraordinary experiences and for my money, they are not easily explained away. It's not okay. simply an overactive imagination in the mind of the child. That's the way I look at it anyway. We are talking with Josie Varga. We're on the cusp of Father's Day, and we're talking about dads. We're talking about our fathers being on the other side, but maintaining the strong bond of love and affection for their, their wives, their sons, their daughters, their friends, and how they come through across either the vast distance of eternity, or maybe it's not far away at all. We'll take up that and other subjects when we return. You're listening to Manson Mitchell, and we will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Matthew Dix for the first time to discuss his book, Someday is Today. Find out how to change the course of your life by reducing time spent on things that do not serve you. On Saturday, Stephanie Ann Stevens talks about telepathy and various ways that loved ones seek to communicate from the other side. 
bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Josie Varga. Josie, you are the author of many books. I actually wrote quite a few of them down. Footprints in the Sand is number one. Visits from Heaven. Make Up Your Mind to Be Happy. Visits to Heaven. Divine Visits. And a call from heaven. Do I have all your books? Yes, you do. And I'm also working. I'm finishing my latest now, which is uh, a compilation of all of my books. It's pretty much presenting my evidence for the afterlife. And it's called Before and Afterlife. Ah. And because, because what people sometimes need to understand, if there is an after, well, then there must have been a before. Oh, well, we are eager to read that book, I'll tell you. And Josie, if people want to connect with you, share their stories, what is your website? What are ways in which people can get in touch with you? They can visit my website, uh, www.josie, J-O-S-I-E, Varga, V-A-R-G-A, dot com. Uh, And they can also email me at josievarga at comcast.net. I usually try to get back to people within 48 hours. So, and I, and I love to hear from my readers and I love to hear different stories. So please reach out. Thank you. Excellent. Josievarga.com. Uh, Good place to find Josie and, and find out more information. Absolutely. Josie, we're so happy to have you with us. You know, I lost my dad back in 1984 He died one month to the day before my 30th birthday. And, you know, ever since when I've met someone who said they're in midlife, well into midlife, and they lose their dad, I'm thinking of a church friend right now, uh, this lady's father died in his early 90s. You know how lucky you are? You know how blessed you are? I mean, my dad had just retired when he was diagnosed with lung cancer, and he passed away about 13 months after diagnosis. But I remember those times when I used to pick him up after school, and we'd go to Bob's Big Boy, that's right, the luxurious <laughs> restaurant where we would sit there and have a cup of coffee. we talk about current events. And I thought, isn't that terrific to be able to do that? At the time, you don't make too much out of it unless you're especially mindful. There, but I look back on those times as mundane as they were. I'm so glad that I made the time and had the opportunity to pick him up after school. He was a high school teacher, and we would go and just spend some time together. That's irreplaceable. So when that happens, and people tell me, "Well, you know, I lost my dad. I'm so sad. You know, he died in his early 90s. Whatever it could be, 75, 80 years old." I say to them, "Look, if you had your dad that long, you are well ahead of the game." Because I, there are people that have fathers die that they barely knew. There are even any number of people whose father died, usually under some sudden or tragic circumstances, died before they were born. You know, so do I treasure memories of my father? Of course I do. And I wonder how people relate to a parent, in this case a father, when they didn't really know them in the body. 
There are stories of people who say, you know, dad came to me last night. Dad came in. It could be a dream. It could be something even more direct than that so that they have what might be termed a paranormal experience. And they're providing information. He told me such and such, you know, well, like it's going to be a boy, you know, for example. And they do this, though they did not have earthly experience of their father. And I wonder what is going on there that allows this permeable membrane, if you will, between the life we live in our body and the other side of life so that communication can even occur. To me, that's miraculous. It is miraculous. And you know what? The answer to your question, Gary, is love. Love is the connection. Um, you know, you say that some people uh, might not have had good relationships with their father. Well, when they get over to the other side, they're very much aware of everything that's going on in our lives. And maybe they feel some remorse for whatever they did in the relationship, you know, and they want to reach out to their loved ones. They want to reach out and say, hey, I'm sorry. Hey, maybe I wasn't the best father, uh, but I love you. I'm there for you. They want to communicate with us. That's, that's what it is. You know, I always say love is, you know, the connection between the here and the, and the hereafter. It's the only thing that matters now, and it's the only thing that will matter then. And you talked about not understanding the value of a moment, and oh my God, is that a lesson we all can learn from? <laughs> because very often when we're in the moment, when we're doing something, like I can remember when I was a kid, my father would dress up as Santa Claus on Christmas, and Gary, you know, I would sit on his lap and I remember looking up at him and I'm thinking, well, oh, I, you know, I know that's you, dad, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> look, looking, looking back, uh, I realized how special that, you know, that was. And also when I was young, I have never forgotten this. There was a circus in town nearby uh, within walking distance to my home. And I wanted to go to the circus and my brother and my sister did not. And I never forget my father, he worked a lot of hours. So I didn't have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, but he took my hand and we walked hand in hand to the circus. Huh. And I've never, okay, I'm getting emotional, <laughs> but I, I've never forgotten that moment. Um, and, and you're right. A lot of times while we're, when we're in the moment, we don't, recognize the value of the moment that's why it's so important to live in the moment you know to live in the moment but also in a to live in appreciation and in yes. gratitude i can remember times when i would think about my dad there while he was still alive that enjoy this now to take the value of this because there's going to come a time when he's not going to be around and you want to remember that you want to have these memories to treasure, even if they're about the simple things and maybe especially the simple things so that the time you spent was time well invested because of that eternal bond. There's a certain maintenance, I think, Josie, that goes on between children and their parents to maintain the dynamic of a relationship and absolutely in as healthy a way as possible. And I feel bad for those who, who can't get past the conflict. And I don't say that to blame anybody, but if conflict is there and you can't work it through, that's a burden that you carry for life. And it is. I've, I've seen that weigh people down before. It's sad. 
It does. And you know what they often say, and I've, I wrote about this and make up your mind to be happy. When you forgive your, your, you know, when you forgive someone, okay, you're helping yourself. You're not helping the person that you're forgiven. Because as you said, it, you know, you, you weigh yourself down, you hold yourself hostage. <laughs> so when you choose to forgive someone, you set yourself free. It's so interesting that you should say that. I um, I had a very large dispute with my dad that lasted for so many years that we were actually out of touch for years. And at at one point, I I decided I really needed to get back together with him. And so I, you know, I called him up. We got together, had dinner and renewed a relationship after being estranged for a long time. After he passed and I went to see a medium uh, for a, a, a reading, the medium said to me, your dad's mother is here and she wants to thank you for getting back together with your dad. Oh, wow. And I mean, that that's evidence right there for the afterlife, because she had already passed decades before, but she was acknowledging me for getting back together with him and resolving the issue that was between us for, uh, for all those years. And so, you know, it, it isn't too late, whether somebody's on this side or the other side to make those amends and resolve those differences. Not And what you just said there proves my point from before, Suzanne. They are aware of everything that goes on in our life, okay? Obviously, your mother knew about, you know, what you did. Right. My grandmother. His mother. Right, right. His mother. You're still still aware Mm -hmm. of everything that goes on. And the other thing that came to mind while you were talking, you talked about, you know, having differences. My father could not quite understand, you know, uh, my urge to write about the afterlife. You know, he would say things to me like, what's the matter with you? Why don't you write about love? You know, why do you have to write about these books? He didn't really understand it. And one time I said to him, I said, Dad, you don't understand. I am writing about love, Dad. I am writing about love in its highest form. Okay. But Interestingly, when he was on his deathbed and all these things were happening, he was talking to my uncle and and saying, wait, and just amazing, incredible experiences. One time I sat down with him and I said to him, so dad, he said, yes. I said, was I right? I said, was I right? And he looked at me, he smiled and he nodded his head. Yes. And what I meant was, was I right? Was I right about the afterlife? You know, yes. and I and I yeah. I tell you that smile on his face and him shaking his head yes will bring me comfort for the rest of my days. Yes. You know, and and that is why that is why I continue to do what I do. You know, you brought up something by allusion here, Josie, and I'd like to get into that for a few minutes with you. This idea of people being on their deathbed, maybe they're hospitalized, they're in hospice, what have you, Mm -hmm. and they begin to have conversations, rather lucid ones in many cases, 
with loved ones who are not visible to anyone else in the room usually. Mm-hmm. And I look at it a couple of different ways. I try to be open-minded. If you talk to doctors and many nurses, although nurses have different points of view when they witness these things, right? but the scientific, the, the standard scientific explanation is that these are the random firings of a dying brain. And so there are hallucinations and, and who knows, maybe they're right about that, but something tells me that there's something more to it to be able to have conversations when they weren't previously lucid, maybe for days or weeks. And then they begin to communicate with someone who, if you listen to the quality of the conversation, you get the sense that that person's loved ones have come to collect them. Yes. And, and, by the, and by the way, what they say, Gary, you know, doctors will say, well, they're just hallucinating. Well, that's, that's not the case. There's a big difference between a deathbed visit and uh, a hallucination. A hallucination is uh, very often fearful and confusing. Deathbed visions are comforting and peaceful. Uh, hallucinations are psychotic. Deathbed visions are very coherent and consistent. Hallucinations are, for instance, not real, though, not realistic. Deathbed visions are. And very often, uh, deathbed visions can be shared. There's a term called peak and dying experiences, okay? And that was one of the most remarkable things that I found when I was writing my book, A Call from Heaven. And what that basically means, guys, that is when they mention the presence of someone in the room that they didn't know died, Okay. So and I know I've mentioned the story. There's a story mentioned by Bruce Grayson about a little boy named Eddie Cuomo. Eddie Cuomo had a very high fever. He's in the hospital. He comes out of a coma and he says to his parents, oh, I saw grandma. I saw grandpa. Oh, and I saw Teresa. Teresa was his sister. And he said, Teresa told me that I needed to go back, and it wasn't my time. And his father and mother got really irate and said, what do you mean? Your sister's away at college. What are you talking about? I just spoke to her. She's fine. Well, they later found out. They got, they got home. They had a message from the school. The sister did, in fact, die just after midnight, but they didn't know it. And here their son mentioned the presence of his sister, and they didn't know she died. So how else do you explain something like that other than to say that it's real? I don't have an alternative explanation (laughs) for that. (laughs) Me me neither. And those poor people to come home, they've got a a desperately ill child, and then they go home and find out that their other child had passed away at a young age, word from the college telling them that. Oh my, I mean, there've got to be easier ways to enlightenment. You know what I mean? To, than to experience something like that, but how stark a realization it brings that we really don't know and probably will never know as long as we inhabit these bodies of ours, what all there is beyond death. There's always going to be a whole lot more than we, that we don't know than what we do know. And I think that's why if you talk to Zen Buddhists, for example, they like to say, and I think they're right, that in the realm of spirit, when you're on a spiritual path, you need to realize that you're always at the beginning. 
no matter how much you study, right. no matter how much you meditate, you're really still at the trailhead. Absolutely. Like I always say, the more I learn, the more I need to learn, the more I need to know. There's so much that we don't know. And interestingly, just recently, I sat down with my daughter, Leah. And by the way, she's listening. She's in Seattle and she's listening. So hi, Leah. But I was sitting down with my daughter, Leah, and my daughter said to me, but mom, do, do you really know what happens when someone dies? I mean, can you positively say what happens when somebody dies? And I said to her, Leah, I can't positively say what's going to happen when we die, I, but I can tell you that it's not the end. That I can, that I can positively say. You know, I'm, it's, it's really amazing because you were talking before about how I've been studying these experiences for years, and I have, and they are all so different, but yet they are so much alike. They are so much alike. There, it's inspiring to me to think that they find a way to get through. And isn't that a beautiful thing, Josie, that your loved ones can be your dad, can be your granddad, can be anyone on the other side who values their ongoing relationship with you to reach across that void, to be the bridge through their own intention, to get the word across to you that they are still alive in the fullest sense and that they're doing just fine. They're doing just fine, and they want us to be okay. They, You know, the best way to honor their memory is to be happy, like my father would say. They want us to live. They want us to be happy. They want us to continue loving, you know. Um, that's what's important to them. So, and yes, they, they do find a way to cross that veil and get the message uh, to the loved ones. Like in my case, when I had my experience with my husband's friend and his message to me was Boston is okay. I had no idea at all what that meant. And to later find out that his wife was considering selling her home and moving to Boston. I mean, that was a huge wake up call, you know, uh, a huge awakening to me. And that what, that's what led me to do what I do. And, uh, I guess I've never looked back. <laughs> no, it certainly yeah. appears that way. And just as a practical matter, Josie, do you have people with any kind of regularity call you up or email you saying, hey, I got one for you because they think their story would be worthy in appearing in one of your books? All the time. Um, you know, you, you have to like weed through it. I mean, uh, you know, I follow up with questions and sometimes, yes, they are. After life communications and other times, I find that they're not. Now, people need to understand, you know, not everything is a sign. Not everything is a visit from heaven. So they need to, like, just recognize the signs. But what I, what I often say is if you, if you think it's real, it is. I, I remember about a month after my dad died, my daughter Leah told me that she had a vivid dream about my father. And he said to her, he said, I'm doing great. I love you very much. He kissed her on the forehead, she said. And he said, I'll be up here waiting for you. And she said she woke up and her pillow was saturated. She was crying. And she said, Ma, but it was so real. It was so real. It was really him. You know, so there is a, there is a difference between a, a regular dream 
and a visit from heaven. Suzanne, you were talking before about not remembering, but when you have a visit from heaven, you remember. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. I've had lucid dreams about deceased loved ones, and I do remember those dreams. It's a, it's a different quality of dream. Absolutely. It's a different quality of dream. And like I said, the most common, you know, there, there are several different types of visits from heaven. And uh, in my case, like I said, I get a lot of telepathic communication where I, I hear the deceased loved one. Um, there are physical signs like butterflies, uh, pennies, birds, dragonflies. Um, there's smell. You know, a lot of times you might, you might smell your father's cologne or something or your, your mother's perfume. Touch and sensation. That's another important one. I mean, how many times have you felt the presence of your loved one? You can't explain it. You can't see them, but you got this feeling that they're there. I had a medium tell me one time, oh, you're very good at picking up your godmother. Because after she passed away, I have to say it, it doesn't happen too much now. She died in 2010, and I would feel her all the time, feel her. And I would just talk to her. So to have that medium tell me, oh, your godmother said you're very good at picking her up. That was a strong validation for me. And there's also like, uh, you know, you might hear uh, your wedding song or some other important uh, song on the radio. It, but it's not, it's the timing of it all. You know, it's the timing of it all. If you ask your father for a sign and then you get a message from him where that's important or you hear a specific song or whatever it might be. So like I said before, you have to pay attention to different synchronicities and everything around you. Uh, become more aware. Open your eyes. Open yourself up to receiving. This is a good weekend to talk to your dad, whether your dad is on this side or on the other side. Just say hello. You can talk telepathically or actually say the words out loud. Hi, Dad, I'm thinking about you. Hope all is well. But this is the weekend to do that. So we honor the divine masculine in our world and uh, want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day. And thank you, Josie, for coming on with us and talking about dads. Thank you so much for having me, guys. My pleasure. When you're in, Excuse me. When your next project has reached fruition. Let us know, Josie. We want to be among the first to interview you. All right. We'll do. All right. (laughs) Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day. Happy summer solstice and join us next Friday.